0: Hey, y'all, welcome back as we continue through the Judges with chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. So here we have Jesus. Whenever it says the angel of the Lord, it is um, Jesus talking. And we can see that even more clearly in this passage, because this is God's covenant with his people, with his children. And he's saying that I did all these things. So we can conclude very well that this is Jesus speaking, the angel. Verse two, for your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in the land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation for you. In verse 4, when the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bokim, which means weeping, and they offered sacrifices there to the Lord. After Joshua sent the people away, Each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated at Timnath-serah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. So that is why there was still... Canaanites um, living in the promised land is because they disobeyed God. They disobeyed him. So they God no longer drove the people out for them. So now they're going to have to live with these constant temptations around them and these false idols. So we'll see what happens as we continue in verse 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress." So they refuse to dis- to turn from their sins and their stubborn ways and they're no longer able to resist the enemies. God's not with them anymore, fighting their battles for them. In verse 16, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Pause. Correction. God is still with them. God never leaves us, but he's no longer fighting their enemies and winning them for them on their behalf. They actually have to work a little bit in turn from their stubborn ways and turn from their sins. Okay, now we can continue. In verse 17, yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, He was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. So God is still with them, very clearly. You see that here. God is with them and God has compassion and God has empathy for them. And he does send rescuers in verse 19. But when the judge died, the people turned, returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he said, because these people have violated my covenant, which I made with their ancestors and have ignored My commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. I did this to test Israel, to see whether or not they would follow the ways of the Lord as their ancestors did. That is why the Lord left those nations in place. He did not quickly drive them out or allow Joshua to conquer them all. Continue with chapter 3, verse 1. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, all the Canaanites, the Sidians, the Hivites living in the mountains of Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to Lebo Hamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands to the Lord that the Lord had given them and their ancestors through Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters, and the Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods." The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan-Rishathaim of Aram Naharaim. And the Israelites served Cushan-Rishathaim for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them his name was Othniel the son of Caleb's younger brother Kenaz the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he became Israel's judge he went to war against king Cushan-rishathaim of Aram and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him so there was peace in the land for 40 years then Othniel son of Kenaz died so this was Osaniel that won the victory in in the marriage of um, in in Joshua. He won the the hand of marriage to Caleb's daughter and. He said, I will give Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to Othniel, and Othniel won and won the victory, and that's how he ended up married to Caleb's daughter. And here he's obviously still a great warrior and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and God is with them and God sends a rescue. The Israelites cried out to God and God will always respond to cries of salvation, especially from his people that he loves so much and he loves all of us. Um, He wants every single person on earth to choose him. He really does. Every single person, he wants to know him and have a relationship with him. In verse 12, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. So the good judge died, and now we have evil back in the land. We're going into that cycle. In verse 13, Eglon enlisted the Ammonites, the Ammonites and the Amalekites, as allies. And then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moam for 18 years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. God always responds to our cries, y'all. His name was Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin, the Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double edged dagger that was about a foot long and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon who was very fat. So this king was very fat. And so this time in history, and just to get context to this here, if if you were fat, it was because you were wealthy and you have nothing to do. He's been ruling and oppressing the Israelites for years, and he is sitting on that throne as king, eating all day, and just enjoying his life, or doing what he wants. So this left-handed judge comes in, and this is going to be their next savior in verse... Um, 20. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he set them all out of the room. And really quick about the left-handed sword. Most people were right-handed so they never checked the... um. That side of their body for the swords, they did not check that side because they did not realize people would be left-handed because that's looked at as a disability back in this time, but he was left-handed so he could conceal the weapon on his right side. They didn't realize that he he would be left-handed. They never even thought about it because if you're left-handed, you're going to pull your sword out of your right side, but if you're right, handed you're going to pull it out of the left side, so they he hit it in his right side. And they checked his left. In verse 20, Ehud walked over to Iglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger, strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the door of the room and escaped down the latrine. After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in the room, so they waited. They thought he was going potty, Oh! But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Sierra. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud summoned a call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your, en- your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was a peace in the land for 80 years. Note that the peace lasts longer than the (laughs) non-peace. And um, God, the point is God sends a rescue. God hears our cries. God hears our calls. No matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many resets we need in life, God hears our cries, no matter what he hears us. In verse 31, after Ehud, Shanagar son of Anath rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. That was just an extra little nugget there for y'all. So that concludes chapters two and three, and we'll continue on with the journey through the judges tomorrow. I hope y'all are having a great day.